not enough wolves. Like, <laughs> one out of five, no wolves. God. A documentary that I like even more than that is Bananas, if you've ever heard of that. Which is a doc- heard of the Woody Allen comedy? No, bananas. <laughs> shit is bananas. B a n a n a. No, not that bananas. Like I just, oh, I, I just wanted to... different bananas. Oh. Why didn't you pull the machines? Why didn't you call them? You didn't see what was going on? Well, there's no way to determine that. Yes, there is. An infallible way. They won. Well, it's a casino. People got to win sometimes. Hey, what do you think? I'm a fucking idiot? Probability on one four-wheel machine is a million and a half to one. On three machines in a row, it's in the billions. It cannot happen. Would not happen. You fucking Momo, what's the matter with you? Maybe it was the love of the planets. Maybe it was just my growing dislike for this one. But for as long as I can remember, I have dreamed of going into space. Now that I've met you... Would you object to never seeing me again? The biggest regret of my life, I let my love go. That price on my head, was that dead or alive? Don't remember. See if he starts shooting. I don't ask you over for dinner and then suggest you give a lecture on the peoples of Mesoamerica or whatever your pre-Columbian shit is. This is my job. This is how I pay the fucking rent. The same gentleman that told me that you tried to get your broker's license also told me that you were a straight arrow. He ran a security check on me. Well... Sail on a boat fit for a Bond villain, sometimes you need to play the part, right? First of all, dude, you don't have an accent. Secondly, this is a fucking show dog with fucking papers. You can't board it, it gets upset. Its hair falls out. Walter. Fucking no. dog has fucking papers. Over the line! Huh? I'm sorry, Smokey, you were over the line, that's a foul. What happened? Did your, did your balls drop off? <laughs> Hey there, everybody. Welcome into episode 43 of Film Tank. On this week's episode, we'll be discussing, we'll be discussing uh, our first documentary, which is uh, the 2015 film The Wolf Pack. Ow! Yeah, that... Uh, but no wolves were actually hard. How like the wolf. Those two voices you hear <laughs> are Nick Cheney and Toussaint Egan. I was the one with the really authentic wolf call in tucson was the other guy person yeah i was the guy who did the thing <laughs> and i am uh, alex diekman the usual hi, crew, crew. oh hi there hi. Nick. it's really nice to see you guys today it's so nice the usual crew here yeah and uh yeah today we'll be discussing documentaries as uh, uh the wolf pack is our, our first uh jump into this genre it's a, a different kind none of, of us film. had seen a documentary before we saw the i'm just kidding <laughs> That would be that be something. <laughs> then we would be like characters in the wolf. Yeah, we would be <laughs> <That's> completely, impressive. <laughs> yeah. com- completely sheltered, and then the greatest day of our lives is seeing apples. Uh, um, yeah, so we'll get more into the actual film uh, in just a, a little bit. But since uh, this is the first time uh, we've done a film in this genre, uh, is per usual when we do something for the first time, we like to, to talk a little bit more about it in general. And uh, this genre is no different. Uh, Nick was the one who wanted to do uh, an episode on the Wolfpack. So, uh, and uh, is you but see that's more... not an endorsement? I hadn't seen it. <laughs> I just wanted to check it off my 2015 list. He's, hey, ma- there you he's go. making the, uh, the Richard Nixon like. <laughs> I am not a crook. It's like I'm just saying. I didn't recommend it. <laughs> a plain honest man. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying I recommended it. <laughs> 
but we'll get into that later. Yes, in just a little bit. But first yeah. off, uh, <clears throat> and obviously you see more films than me and Tucson, and I'm sure you've seen more documentaries than me and Tucson. You, you try and you do. <laughs> so um, why don't you kind of tell us and the, uh, the listeners what your kind of documentaries are that you enjoy watching yeah. and uh, what makes a good documentary for you? All right. Well, first off, I love when documentaries fudge the truth and just give me a completely unreal... No, I'm just kidding. Um, I love Michael Moore. <laughs> <laughs> that's my top five documentaries it's just sicko fahrenheit 9-11 now uh, roger and me <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh boy anyway uh I'm, i feel like i'm gonna use a phrase that i've used about a lot of genres on this podcast but you know what it's i'm just gonna use hey, it again <laughs> which is that i don't love documentaries but the documentaries i love i fucking love so it's kind of like when you utilize this genre right uh i i you know i've i've i go all in and I, especially documentaries when you can really start to like fact check things and you know kind of really explore the history around whatever the subject that is uh, portraying so it, i feel like that's what i love about great documentaries is that it has a long shelf life i want to continue going back to it to see you know uh uh, either going back to the the piece of media itself, or of course, you know, researching it and whatnot. So, um, as far as like some of my favorites go, uh, I fucking love. Uh, <laughs> weirdly enough, my favorite documentary is actually one I only watched just this year, and I've talked about it on the podcast. But it's for all mankind, the uh, the 1980 film about using the archival footage from NASA about. Yeah, I still really want to see that. I'm I'm really fantastic. disappointed that I haven't seen it yet. I feel like one day I'm gonna make us watch it. It's quick 80-something minutes, you know? I mean, it's just, it doesn't overstay its welcome, but it's just so beautifully told and with footage that you didn't really think would existed. Mm. Um, so I love uh, that. I love uh, the, uh, the Life and Times of Harvey Milk, which might be the most conventional documentary as far as, like, it's just, you know, it's, it's exactly what you think of when you think of a documentary, which is it's focused on a particular subject. You have talking head interviews, and then there's always some kind of larger-than-life moment, so to speak, or, uh, you know... Uh, maybe not even a moment, though, in Harvey Milk's life, there is a big moment that, you know, uh, is unfortunately... The old Twinkie defense. <laughs> yes. God. That unfortunately happened, uh, and tying that into somebody, like, a person's legacy and whatnot. Uh, so that's, like, the more conventional, uh, like, that shows you that when you do it right, you it's it's good, you know, for me at least. Um, some of my other favorites, though, are a little more off the beaten path, whether it's uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop, which is almost like a deconstruction of, like, what is art even though it is a documentary, but it does call into question how much of it's real and how much of it's fake for the purpose of exploring that exact question, which I, I love, uh, which also harkens back to actually my third favorite film of all time. I'm not going to list here, but I'm going to mention it anyway because it's not a documentary, even though it is, which is called Close Up. as a Iranian film by Abbas Karastami. And um, that is a film that's like, I, I won't call it a documentary, so I don't bring it up in the uh, space when, when I talk about documentaries, but it's a film about a real life incident that actually happened where uh, the director used the people that were involved in the incidents to recreate the incident. So it looks wow. like a documentary. Like it's not shot like a real, like a fictional film. It's, it's, it's shot like a documentary. It's scripted like a documentary. And it's, so it plays out. And it wasn't even really dis released that it was fake, so to speak, because um, the event is real. But it wasn't even really released that what we were seeing was like kind of being manipulated by the director until years later, which is also part of the, that film, just like Exit the gift shop is kind of part of that film's message it's about a person who's so enamored by movies that he kind of makes his own so anyway uh so 
I would feel reluctant if I didn't like bring that up, but it's also not really a documentary. Um, and I'll just name one other recent documentary that I love that I made Toussaint watch uh, the other year yeah. when, it, when it came out was The Imposter, which is a fan-fucking-tastic true crime doc yes, that, it is. that on the surface sounds like, oh, just another lifetime like true crime doc. But um, it's first of all, it's cinematically gorgeous. They they do reenactments. They have talking head interviews with the real-life subject, but then they also filmed cine- uh, cinematic uh, reenactments of the events that happened with no real dialogue or anything. You just see the visual. But they it's done in a way that it looks better than like 90% of the films that are actually being released that has you know the budget to shoot like cinematic scenes so uh that's a fantastic film that um yeah that caught it may have the greatest on-screen villain presence i've ever seen in a film and it's a real life movie yeah. it's it's fantastic uh so and i feel like that's a film that i'm probably gonna force you guys to watch actually that's been a film that i've been almost saying almost every week when you tell me to pick a film but it's my turn huh. i almost choose it because it's always on netflix but then it's, it's always on netflix i feel like we'll always have a we'll pull the trigger yeah, some right when you right when it's taken off I you'll finally well decide. i own it so oh, we can go. still watch it yeah <laughs> so anyway that's those are kind of the uh the documentaries that i that come to my head as being the one that I, I truly, truly enjoy. Yeah, when it comes to documentaries for me, if you don't mind, Tucson, no, sure. yeah, if I ahead. just jump right in. Yeah, go ahead. You son of a bitch. I know, I'm such an asshole. I've seen a lot of the, uh, I've seen a lot of the quote-unquote like popular documentaries, like when Michael Barr was making documentaries or when... Supersize Me. Yes, uh, Supersize Me. I've seen that one. A lot of the... You know, there is a time and a place for Supersize Me. Like, yeah. That is actually making those kind of, I would say, points uh, digestible <laughs> uh, for for the, for the audience of like middle school. Yeah. You know, like when you show it in health class or whatever. I just feel like the the problem with that film is some of the over the topness that uh, I, I I really feel like that's that part of documentaries that I just cannot deal with is that um, almost every documentary and and some don't and that you know, to their credit but almost every documentary has an angle there's a varying degree of what the angle is of the of the, ma- the filmmaker. But most of them have something that they're trying to get you to believe in. And I feel like I agree with you that you mentioned this earlier that documentaries probably should have – they do um, for they most have part have, have, purpose. have like, a purpose. Otherwise, you're just – and we'll get into that about yes, the Wolfpack. Yes, uh, But yes. yes, they have to have a purpose. However, and... when they when they when have when their purpose is to try to go out of its way to – make the viewer think one way or the other like yep. something like blackfish where it's it's excusing other facts to only show the facts that back up their what their agenda is. Well, you're describing it, actually, and I'm not going to talk about the film itself, but remember I my, my least favorite film of this year so far is Hot Girls Wanted, the yeah. documentary that hit Netflix about the amateur uh, porn circuit. That, that's a horrible documentary for that exact region, which is it only talks to the people that will tell the audience exactly what it wants to, and then it will drop them at the side of a hat when it's clear that they are starting to turn around right. on however they But that's feel. exactly what Blackfish does as well, and I'm not necessarily... That's the problem, too, is that I'm not necessarily for or against what those kind of documentaries are saying, but I feel like that's the problem, is that they are going out of their way to only show you one side, and so far to one side of it, I just can't even like really enjoy watching and get interested in what they're talking those about. movies are usually only enjoyable if you're already... like. 
firmly passionate about what it might be. Yeah. Kind of like when I saw Jesus Camp, which is about <laughs> religious fanatics, and I have something against religious fanatics. Yeah. So even though it was so biased, I still enjoyed watching it because I was like, yes. See, but I yes. feel like that that's where it, it kind of, and me and you maybe differ a little bit on that, is that I really can't even, I can't even deal with that. Like, I, I feel like for me, even if I agree with it, like, that, that like, was like a check for me. Like, it, it makes me almost like, I wouldn't say not like it more, but like, if I agree with it, like, that's the problem. Like, if it's just like completely saying what I'm thinking, like, it, it, I still like don't want it to only give one side and be completely dissuaded from trying to give every argument about something. Like, yes. You want to have a purpose, you want to have an angle, you want to have a reason of why you are making this film, you want to have a statement, but you don't, you, you want to have a statement, but you don't want to have an agenda. I feel like is what, what you want a documentary to be, at least in my world of what a perfect documentary is. Yeah, I will say one thing, to, just because I brought it up and what you're saying is, I actually agree with everything you're saying. So when I bring up a film like Jesus Camp that might, I would say, swing to one side or the other, the reason why I tolerate it in that movie, and mm-hmm. I don't think it's a perfect movie or anything like that, but why yeah. it, it works for me is that there's one, there's only one way to do that kind of bias slant for me and make it work, which is when you let your subjects tell their story completely. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, like, cause that's the thing is like the people being interviewed are the people that put on these Jesus camps, even though the people that are making the documentary are the people who are clearly, I would say against what they're doing. So it's kind of like all they did was give them the shovel. They're the ones that dug the hole. So that's, 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 that's the kind of thing where I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much for the most part okay with it. It's when the filmmakers themselves are clearly using selective bias to to push a slant that, you know, you they they shouldn't be pushing, so to speak. But yeah. if, if the subjects of the films are, are not gonna do themselves any favor and, you know, keep going on and on, then then by all means let's damn them. <laughs> So some of my favorite documentaries, uh, one of them, uh, especially being a, a sports fan, is Hoop Dreams, yeah. which is a, a great documentary really? from uh, years and years ago. It's a good one. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of it just because I, I kind of love how it follows the story of, of this you know, up-and-coming pretty much kids who play high school basketball for a living. Like they're, they're, Their job is to be a high school basketball player pretty much where college is now. And especially these, uh, and we have a lot of these in Illinois, especially in Chicago, these these teams that people move from one place to another so they can be in that district so they can play for this team. Yeah. And that's that's that was their family's job that's to a, move there. Yeah. And it's it's just great how it, it is able to follow this through multiple years and you kind of start where they're, you know, kind of incoming freshmen and then we get to a point and it's really kind of sad because, you know, they have a lot of high uh, promise and really their family's future and is dependent on it high and promise and higher expectations yes and that's what like it's i know I, i'm glad you bring that up because i actually forgot about it, and i love that documentary yeah and it, it's great yeah. um and for someone who like me who doesn't like sports i still get involved with it because it's it does a great job of depicting his subjects agreed yeah. uh other documentaries that i really like uh and i really gravitate towards are documentaries that show sort of natural things just happening uh, we see Disney do these every now and then with whether it be animals. Now, sometimes they try to get stories involved, and that's fucking stupid. March of the Penguins. I like March of March the Penguins. March of the Penguins is good. And March of the Penguins. But that's like like the Disney Lions one. Even though I liked it, 
Um, I, I wasn't crazy about, well, here comes he, and he's he's the alpha yeah. male, and oh, he <laughs> ran away when he's not happy anymore, because and they like, give it's them like names It's like Wash and shit. playing with the dinosaurs on the dashboard of Firefly. <laughs> yeah, it's actually exactly like but that. But Disney gives like the, the, the animals names. Like, yeah, like character it's, names. It's like, not good. But, <laughs> but March of the Penguins was one of them I was going to bring up, because that is like yeah. almost heartbreaking when you watch this because what they're describing Morgan Freeman is describing more which you've already won your audience when you do that I was going to say like his like life is set just being a narrator for documentaries <laughs> but when he's like describing what the different processes are for them just in a life cycle of a penguin it's it's just crazy of them going through all of this trouble just to have the one egg hatch and it's just <laughs> It's crazy. I don't know. Tear it up just thinking about it. I know. But I, I love those kind of – and uh, a lot of uh, documentaries about just natural occurrences, whether it be in the earth or that kind of thing, I just I just eat it up. And, and I guess I really lean towards those because I feel like those are less about trying to go behind an issue and more just about showing you something and, and showing – um, the audience, this thing that is occurring, and in a lot of uh, occurrences, showing it beautifully, like some just like terrific Terrence Malick esque landscape shots. Well, then we need to, which is I, I didn't bring it up, but it's funny because it's one of my all time favorite films. I still need to sit you down to watch Koyan Anastasky. Oh, I love that film. Which is no narrative whatsoever, no dialogue. It is just the city landscape city yeah. rural volcanoes and you, i, I you wanted to it. see that yeah for 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 you know yeah. for quite a long time and i'm speaking of terrence malick i'm very excited for his voyage of time film i feel like that yeah. is going to be right are we gonna go see the six hour cut probably not jesus but i i am excited to see <laughs> yeah. the shorter version yeah uh and because everything that i've heard described about it really sounds like what he does best and Excusing some of the things that I don't like about him as just a throw out all the symbolism in the in the uh, yeah poetic just have some great looking yep. great looking shots yep. and and somewhat of a story to bring it all together so yep. yeah that's what I like and uh, the kind of documentaries I uh, gravitate towards and yep. let's move on to Mister Tucson okay um, just to come off of the whole Koyana Scotsy point it's like I think that film is like one of the greatest sources of like late 90s pre-millennial like industrial stock footage ever like you could just take you could take the city scenes and set them to like any type of music any type of badass music and it's just the best it's just so fucking great you can set it to like death metal i know like oh my god our society is eroding yeah it's just it's it's really beautiful that's actually one of my my favorite documentaries but normally as a as a film goer i gravitate towards um, documentaries that are about artists that okay. I admire that create things. And it's yep. like, just because I love to have the insight of knowing like not all people who make things are good people, but it yeah. just so happens that it's, it's nice to be able to have an insight into their process and what their, their philosophy towards creating is because it's just kind of inspiring to me. So I'm like, Winding back a little bit, I think that the the core directive of a documentary for me is that it has to be an interesting story first and foremost, and it has to seek to, if not if not inform, then educate; if not educate, then entertain; and if not to entertain, then just to lay out a story and allow you to make up what you want out of it. Yeah. So some of my favorite uh, documentaries, you already mentioned one before, Exit Through the Gift Shop. Yeah. Because I so good. I 
was a fan of Banksy up until recently with some of his. Oh, uh, I thought his, you were going to say up until that film, and I'm like, really? No, that like that film is no, his magnum no, opus. No, op- no, that is his magnum opus. Like up until some of his recent uh, yeah. li- live action installations that have become Bye. that have dipped into self parody almost. <laughs> Dismal land. Yeah, like dis- in uh, like in Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. But it's my admiration of Banksy is completely isolated to exit through the gift shop. I have no idea who he was before I saw exit mm-hmm. through the gift shop and I have, do not care about any of the shit he'd done <laughs> since exit through the gift shop. So, yeah. that, that, that might actually, that might actually be, be a good thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it really sounds like that's just best for everything just to yeah. well, really like this, but everything like that else. That movie yeah. is brilliant. So it kind of boggles my mind that it's the same person, but it doesn't, because I can see the same tendency, so to speak. That Films are collaborative efforts. Yes. Yeah. yeah and part of that is, Literally, the yeah. nature of that movie is that it was not even his movie at first. And yeah, anyway, definitely. Well, and so, if yeah. I can so really good. just, um, you know, just 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 say yeah. something about it. Bring it in. Do- documentaries are really weird because I feel like if if a documentary is made by someone and they have a passion for doing something, not that extra the gift shop is necessarily mm-hmm. that, but just in general. Um, if someone makes a documentary and they're really passionate about the subject matter, and I'll bring up uh, Roger and Me from Michael Moore, yes. I feel like that is a really good documentary. I would say that's probably his best because of how personal it was. It, and that's correct. And that he really wanted to make that film, and it was really important to him, and he went out of his way to you know get everything that he wanted for that film. I think the problem is is then... Almost like M. Night Shyamalan with his films that he, like the kind of films he wants to make. Yes. Like, well, I have to keep making documentaries, so let me keep doing that. He became a parody of himself. Well, and that's the problem, though. Yeah. And Morgan Spurlock kind of had the same kind of thing happen, a, yeah. little, a little bit less. But he just never, like, yeah, he never reached the same, I would say, peak as far as, like, people looking to Morgan Spurlock. But when you become a documentary filmmaker, I yeah. feel like you're, you're going against what the, what your job should be is to be you passionate and and showing these things that are really important to you and showing the real life of them where now you are going out of your way to make your life making these films about real life that you really don't have passion about yeah like you're saying the very nature of becoming a documentary filmmaker if that becomes your identity you're almost then going back on what first made your film great correct yeah no i totally for sure see that I was going to say, um, oh, no, never mind. Okay. I okay. forgot what that was going. Back Go- to you, Tucson. Going <laughs> back to some of my favorite uh, documentaries, like in reference to some of my favorite artists, like one of my favorite documentaries is uh, In Search of Mobius, which is a BBC4 documentary, which is about John Gerard Mobius, who is one of the most prolific uh, comic and concept artists of the 20th century, who's influenced everyone from Ridley Scott to people as far as like Hayao Miyazaki. And even connecting from that, my one of my other favorite documentaries is uh, The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, which is a documentary like for the first time going into Studio Ghibli and following Hayao Miyazaki through the production of his last film, The Wind Rises. And it is just it for for a an animation fan, it's it, it is absolutely fascinating to finally get to see like what this place is like yeah. and to even like get to see more dimensions to Miyazaki's like personality outside of his films, which is also sort of, 
it is insightful, it is exciting, and it's almost heartbreaking sometimes too. So that's that was great. I enjoy Beats, Rhymes, and Life, the uh, A Tribe Called Quest documentary, even though there was a lot of controversy over like the depiction of the actual like bandmates. I just like being able to like see different sides of like people who were, are pretty much behind like one of my favorite musical acts ever. And going off of musical acts, uh of a, a documentary that I like even more than that is bananas. If you've ever heard of that, which is a doc- heard of the Woody Allen comedy. No bananas. <laughs> shit is bananas. B A N A N A. No, not that bananas. Like oh, I, just, I, I just wanted to different bananas. Bananas <laughs> uh, is a documentary that I know a lot of people haven't seen, but it's actually really cool um, because it follows Damon Alburn and Jamie Hewlett, the guys behind gorillas from like right Right before um, the first album came out, it shows like archival footage of them like working on that album all the way to the end of the Demon Days tour. And like seeing like uh, Damon Alburn, like one of my favorite parts of that film, which is so understated, is they're recording Demon Days, right? And he was just like, oh, are we going to be laying like some, some instrumental tracks or whatever? It's like, no, it's like you're. You're going to be singing the lyrics to this. Like, I haven't learned the lyrics yet. We'll go in the fucking room and learn, learn the lyrics then. And he comes out and he's just like belting a cappella, like the lyrics to one of my favorite gorilla songs, which is El Manina. So knowing that that's the origin of that song, I was just like, oh my God, that is so fucking awesome. Yeah. So yeah, those are just, that's just a window into like what I take away from, from documentaries. I just realized one thing you just mentioned that I forgot to mention is that that um, that is the one category of documentaries that, while I don't think they're all like perfect, or whatever, that I will actually pretty much always like, which is music docs. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I just watched uh, "Don't Look Back," which is the famous Bob Dylan documentary from the '60s, where it just literally just looks like archival footage of what Bob Dylan was doing before he went on to stage and concerts and whatnot. Completely unbiased, considering it just shows him in his element, both in interviews and outside of them. Uh, but if you put a music doc in front of me, I for some reason. And I, I always will finish I, it. I don't know because I usually do not gravitate towards mu- music documentaries. Um, I know that there were two Kurt Cobain music documentaries that came out this year, and I know I've heard one of them is good. And I don't montage know. of a heck is supposed to be the that, good. That's one. the one is good. Okay, yes. I don't know that it was like great, but that's the one that wasn't a complete uh, pile know, of like. Why did this get made? Because <laughs> there was one called Soaked in Bleach, I believe, as Some, well. Yeah. And I heard that the, one of them was not good. And I, I the whole Kurt Cobain like mythology so to speak mythos yeah it's just like i mean i, I guess maybe i'm a little biased because i'm not a nirvana fan he was just a shitty guitar player who happened to be in a band that was really popular well way to way to plant your flag <laughs> well i'm just saying like it's like we know what happened like what like i feel like we're just getting to like conspiracy theory level of like we need to explore was there like you know like who killed kurt cobain like thematically speaking it, it's a gross amount of over of, of of over over obsession yeah. over over the death of this very prominent very influential guitarist and singer of course i'm also a complete hypocrite because 20 minutes before i came to watch to this podcast i started the 2015 doc uh amy about amy winehouse oh, okay. which is also yeah. kind of a similar kurt cobain story as far as died tragically too young speaking of musical documentaries i'm not sure if this counts or if it's just like a tour documentaries like have you watched shut up and play the hits yet yeah do you like it 
Yeah, it's mostly a, a concert film with yeah, documentary so. footage. Not even documentary footage, but uh, interviews spliced in between with James Murphy, mm. the leader of LCD Sounds. Well, LCD Sound System, really. Yeah. Uh, so it's really not a documentary because all it does is show you songs in their entirety. But it flips back to James Murphy the day after the concert ended, which was his final concert uh, as this band, uh, and then just answering questions. So it's, I mostly would call it a concert film. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So... Now we've gotten that all out there and everyone can know what kind of documentaries we like or don't like or how we feel about them. Let's talk about this one, which is uh, The Wolf Pack. I always, like, metaphorically described our childhood as, uh, like, him being the... uh landowner and us the people who work on the land my parents didn't encourage us to communicate with society so we were kind of shut off always lived in this apartment in the summer there was more chance of us getting out sometimes we go out once a year this is like 3d man very fresh out here and at one particular year We never got out at all. So movies opened up another world. If I didn't have movies, life would be pretty boring. (laughs) This outfit is made out of cereal boxes and yoga mats. We didn't make any friends. We were homeschooled. I did everything I could to escape my world we kind of thought why don't we do those films it makes me feel like i'm living sort of because it's kind of magical i remember being very scared of going out into the world he thinks there's somebody following us i guarantee there's somebody following my father his system was just like a ticking bomb what did he expect when all of us become of age we're still gonna do things his way I don't think our father knew we had it in us I guess he always saw us as the little boys who couldn't and then we transformed into the boys who can Uh, this f- a documentary is about uh, a family the, of uh, children that are locked away uh, in an apartment in the Lower East Side of Manhattan as these brothers uh, learn about the outside world through uh, the films they watch as they are homeschooled and basically uh, kept uh, in in this apartment um, through their entire upbringing. Uh, and uh, this film was uh, made and directed by Crystal Moselle, and it premiered at the 2015 Sundance Film Festival. So, um, if you guys don't mind, I feel like I'll lead off on this one. Oh, go for it, buddy. That's oh, I'm okay. surprised. Are you? Well, because I thought you were going to throw it to me as far as, uh, anyway, sorry, I just was not expecting that. Oh, I was just going to say, I'll, I'll lead off on this one if you go guys are, right are okay with yeah. that. Um, I was really interested to see this because I thought the, uh, the content, uh, what I'd heard about it was very interesting. I thought this idea of, um, these, this family basically locked away, um, in an apartment for their entire lives, basically growing up was interesting. I thought 
this idea of of growing up on movies was really interesting too because um even though i really love watching movies i like couldn't imagine pretty much my sole perspective of humanity coming from movies watching them and i I just thought the idea of seeing how humans react to this would be interesting uh that being said um this movie i was not a fan of really at all i i feel like it did accomplish some things early on in it that i i was interested in seeing so i i will give it a a higher than uh, Terminator Genesis score if we're just going to be on ratings. Damn, wow. But um, for the most part, I just was not a fan of how this film was made. I, I really was not a fan of, of kind of the, the process this film went through. And I, I just don't really see why this was there. Like, it, uh, if, if we're, we're, we're making this film just to show, we wanted to just show, well, this is the life of people who have this, you know, this story and this very unusual story. I feel like a lot of people who live in apartments in New York have unusual upbringings. And even if they are sheltered, not sheltered, like physically kept in um, and, you know, kept away from, from the outside world, they, they all have interesting stories. And even though this one is obviously definitely unique, um, I, I just feel like I just could not get interested at all. And, and it just really wasn't that interesting in terms of the story that played out throughout the in- entirety of the film, like like them going out in, into the world and like talking about their escape. And this and, movie is conf- I, I confusing know. at yeah. times. No, I'm just saying as far as like it, the what they describe is not exactly what's depicted. Yeah, I'm not saying that they're outright lying or anything like that, but like the way they describe their experiences is not always. Sometimes I just cannot make the jump, uh, so to speak, as as to their emotions and what they're describing, like their 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 trips and whatnot, and and what they were also explaining on how they were raised. Because some of it, like, there's so many gaps that are left unfilled in this yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I I see that too as well. Is that, that's something I definitely noticed where there there is almost a discussion of of the children saying that they were, you know kept in always and then oh we did go outside and we we that kind of thing was kind of weird but i i just don't know like i just i just could not get that interested in it because it felt felt like um this film really didn't try to have a message either even though i'm saying that i don't want a film to have an agenda which is true i i want to have a statement and i feel like there there really wasn't a statement because i feel like the the filmmaker didn't decide what they felt about this situation either like that's the biggest fatal flaw of this entire doc because what are what are we supposed to to see here like what what are we following in this documentary story are are we following the story of these children who are enslaved by this fucking vicious father who's also got the mother like completely brainwashed and well are we following? We, I personally don't think we are given enough information mm-hmm. to fully understand the dynamic between the father and any of these characters. Like, well, we def- I that, fully no, understand. No, I, yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent. So it's like it's like I'm almost hesitant to even, especially since they're real life subjects. I'm almost hesitant to even say a word like brainwashed to the mother, not because I'm not saying that that's not apparent or anything like that, but 
that's that's part of the reason why I, I didn't love this movie is that it, it's totally confused as to how it wants to convey its characters. It it both wants to be empathetic and sympathetic, and yet also uh, shies away from anything that's too damning of any of these characters, which is a weird choice. Well, that, yeah. that, I I guess that was my problem with the ending, where like it has this like happy ending that they're all running through the apple forest, and look, oh here's the father and the mother, and they're holding. And she just called her mom and it's, talked to her, and it's I'm like symbolic though, because the mother and the father. Let go of each other's hands and walked on separate paths. And the father walked away from the children, and she went and joined them. I think that's. I know I'm sounding like I'm making a joke, but I, I genuinely think that that was the quote unquote purpose of the, the okay, final scene yeah. in the but, orchard. But, I, but how can you even I, plan for that? Like this, the, my my biggest problem with this film, like. My my biggest problem with this film is not that enough it, wolves. It, it doesn't feel like <laughs> it has. Yeah, not enough wolves. Like. <laughs> One out of five, no wolves. God. Anyway, um, this film doesn't have an arc. And what? Like, what, yeah. what that was like an Amazon. Like, <laughs> like, well, there weren't enough wolves. In this Amazon film. movie reviews. Yes, I'm going to do that now. I might actually do that. No, I'm not going to do that. Put so, like five exclamation points, I and mean, then like a one, like you forgot to hit the shift key. Dear listener, please do that. Like, do that for Netflix or for uh, what's for floodamazon.com's Amazon. review of this? Just, just this movie. not enough wolves, man. There's no wolves. No <laughs> hey. wolf moon. Uh, th- this film was totally absent of an arc, or even an arc of things that I actually cared about. Like, there's supposed to be, like... Characters are supposed to change over the course of this film, okay? These kids are, like, locked up in this in this secluded, like, apartment complex by their domineering father, and the mother is obviously... But are they locked up? Yeah. They're, no, that's what they? they said. They said they were locked up. They said they were. They said they were locked up. And how are they able to just walk out when they choose to walk e- out? Eventually, they just get the key when they turn 18 or whatever, and they leave. And eventually, no, one by like, one. like, it almost was like he, he escaped or something like that. Yeah. Made it sound like. But it didn't seem like, like he escaped, escaped. It seemed like he just, like, I'm talking the Truman Show, Jim Carrey just getting to the end of the set and then just opening the door because it's not locked for some reason. Man, and then just yeah. walking out because he made okay, that but, choice. Okay, but they were. They were mentally no, 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 no. locked in there. I know. I'm yeah. just trying to clarify, like, mentally, as far as... physically, spiritually. Like, no. I, I don't, I don't know if there was like a huge lock on the door. They never like really show if there was this like, but they, they really make it seem like if they decided to try to like, like that's, I, I guess, what I got from it is that the children would never even think about that because they assumed that if they tried to leave, their father would murder them because he, yeah. he like. Like the the father, the, like the his ideology and his thought process, and that was something really weird early on, where like he viewed himself as God and wanted these ten children with is long this a hair. This yeah. might be a cult. I, I think this is a cult. Think man. It's what he wanted. And well, I, a, I, yeah. Well, and the reason why I wanted to clarify the lock thing is because there are scenes in which they are opening the door for people coming. So it's like the door cannot be locked because they are like apparently put in charge and letting them back in the house, whether it's the mother or the father. If, you know, if the so, if, <laughs> if the the apartment was locked from one side, it can only be opened with a key from the father. Then we would never hear Krista Moselle again. That's what I mean. We like, would never hear of her again. And that's actually one thing that I think we're about to touch on is that the very nature of this documentary getting made is in and of itself an overreaction to this situation. I'm not saying because it's a bad situation or anything like that, but like when you just hear about this premise and you hear about this concept, you build it up in your mind that I feel maybe, maybe only I did, maybe you two didn't, but that it's much worse than it actually is. And I'm not saying that that means that the father himself is like not a good 
or not a bad person or anything like that. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, humanize him or whatever. That's completely up in the air. Uh, but like the very nature of bringing a camera crew into this apartment and like the father being completely okay with it pretty much like means that there is like, this is not as bad as bad as like the documentary, uh, I think would want you to believe. Now I'm not saying that the father doesn't do weird shit or that he's not domineering and that's, that's totally, but it's like, it's like, it's, it's almost like a, like this movie being made is, is, is like I said, a weird overreaction. Like we're it, like, Oh my God, from... you've been locked up in your house. Let me go make this movie. And then like she got inside and was like, well, I mean, this is weird, but well, like, I, I feel like but that, then committed to it already. I feel like that's the problem with this movie. When you come in, we talk about <laughs> that final scene and we talk about the, the lack of a, a vision is I feel like she probably had a vision of what she thought it was going to be and it just didn't end up being. And that. that's the worst. Is that apparently the reason why this movie got made is because she ran into, I think, the and, oldest and one. That's that's what I want to talk about because yeah. I, for the Wolf Pack, I am more in love with the story of how this documentary yeah. came to be than the actual documentary itself. Like just this, it, to me, it represents like the 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 essential kernel of of what documentary should be. It should right. be happening upon like these, these serendipitous, interesting, like, like edifying experiences and new stories. And it's just her, like as a recent grad in like 2010, like happening upon like these weird kids and just striking up a conversation with them. And then just like, Whoa, that's fucking awesome. Right. I'm like the whole, I mean, like when uh, Wilco came out with their documentary, most band documentary, they're so, I would say, benign. I mean, I like them, you know, because they're yeah. music docs, but they're just like, oh, this is a day of the life. But, like, there's a filmmaker decided to film a band because they were in the cups of making what they were calling their greatest album yet, something mm-hmm. like that. And then accidentally stumbling onto a huge war between this band and the record company who dropped them as they were financing whatever it's, it's, it's a very big indie music story but like they didn't know that that was going to be the story before they turned on the camera I don't know man I don't think we're going to have a third <laughs> act oh shit right and it's like they got more than they bargained for here's the exact opposite here is yeah uh, Crystal Mose apparently met uh, either one or all of the kids I don't know uh, on the street and they kind of filled in on their lifestyle and what was and her saying wow I I need to make a documentary about that, which, okay, I'm with you so far. (laughs) But then apparently she gets to this place and meets everybody and whatnot. And either, and that's the worst part about this. I still think that there is a good documentary to be made from this, uh, this whole story, so to speak, not even a story, but this whole environment. Uh, unfortunately, and this comes up in almost every aspect of this documentary. She is not the director to do it. She there is too many amateurish problems that are present, both in the way the film is edited, uh, and also, of course, just in like you, you need to be a good editor to tell a documentary. Not because like you you don't need to be a good editor to you know to tell a fictional story, but I'm just saying like I feel like that's a harder feat to do because you somehow have to convey real life you know. Uh, I don't know what I want to call it, but like semantics mm-hmm. in an engaging way that also doesn't throw off the rhythm of this film that's developing out in front of you. While still conforming to the the structure of a film. Right. And so here we have some very, very odd choices on just a technical level, which is let's let's talk about one of the biggest elephants in the room, which is we haven't really been talked about at all on this episode. 
what is the point of focusing on the film aspect of their upbringing? Okay, I feel like that's like the hook, like the marketing hook. You know, like it's literally it's on the poster and it's on the cover, which is like they're all dressed up like reservoir dogs or whatever. Mm -hmm. I never once got, even though we are shown time and time again, um, you know, that that's their outlet as far as like they, they, they recreate these scenes that they love from the movies or whatever. I never once got that that was the story she should be telling, and yet we spend like 40 to 50 fucking minutes accumulatively uh, on all these reenactions. Like, it is, like, that's a separate movie in and of itself, and when... <laughs> And I never truly got the, like, okay, there, there's a movie from the 70s called Being There, uh, starring, um... I think I've heard of it. Peter Sellers. Yeah. Uh, and um, that is a movie about a man who has lived in his own estate, has never walked out ever, and he's raised on television. He doesn't speak to another person, so it's like a, the fictional version of that, whatever. But now, maybe because it is fiction, like, that's a movie in which you, you can draw the lines as to, like what that would look like here. I never actually got that they were raised on film, except for the fact that they kept fucking saying it over and over and over. I just got that, like, <clears throat> I just never understood the point of why they had to convey that part of it when we could have been spending time on what the story should have been about, which, in my opinion, was the mother. Because I thought she was the most engaging character, personally. And I'm not saying that her storyline was handled well or anything. I don't think any of the storylines were handled well. But she was the only thing that I personally kept getting, uh engrossed in because unlike the children she you know she has a past and a future now the children of course have a past they're not zygotes uh but <laughs> but um they're too young at the time of making this documentary to fully realize the effects that this will have them on them as a young or not as a young as a, a grown adult whereas just from like minutes of just talking to the mother I personally, I was fascinated and wanted to know about her upbringing and why she would even settle down with this guy and, you know, and how that ties into, like, why she basically accepted a life she never once wanted. She says... All well, this... and why she accepts this idea of her basically being a... I mean, that's the problem is we don't really know. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. It, like, it, I would it, watch that film. <laughs> it is, we're almost kind of led to believe that she's almost like a servant to the father. And, and she, we, we even hear the, that she has more rules than the, than yes. the children do. And, but that's and, like the one line that indicates that. Evan has dropped completely as far yeah. as we don't ever get any follow-up on that. So it's like, uh, I feel like this is a director who is completely afraid to actually ask Take some hard-quitting hard-hitting question not and there's a way to do that without making this film completely biased and like oh god these parents are awful people uh you, you can still tell that story and yet still say so how does this work i mean what are your rules like i'm not judging i just want to know what they are you know there's, when, yeah. when the mom was introduced i was like is she part of the crew i was like no she's not part of, she's the mom right. but like when when this film first started out i almost my almost immediate reaction within the first 30 minutes of the film when we were just shown like uh, home video footage of the father, and I'm just like, he's dead in that room, isn't he? This is like a this is like a Norma Bates ver version. He's yes. a he's a corpse, like wrapped up in in in, in Saran wrap, isn't he? <laughs> I didn't have that exact reaction, but the 
I don't know what choice it is. I don't know if it's a stylistic choice or a thematic choice, but the idea of not introducing the father in the present tense until about 40 to 45 minutes in this movie is so bizarre to me, simply because it also doesn't have a reveal to back that up. It's just like... you. Oh, he's just here. He's drunk right now. Right. The absence of not showing him, to me, tells a story that like, whoa, the shoe is going to drop at some point. We're going to meet this father, and it's going to be either 20 times worse than we thought, or it's going to be like the exact opposite. Maybe it's going to be like a shocker and really like he's not that bad of a person or he's something. just a wonderful man well you know just something like there's a reason we're not God. seeing him uh and so in letting the children tell this story we're essentially letting six children who don't have a great grip on reality and humanity yeah. tell a story that's all about humanity and you know like it's a very troubling uh uh way but, to structure your movie i, I guess that's where I, I i go with this that i i feel like that's where I have a hard time because yes, it is interesting that they all have long hair and there's this weird. It's also we- very confusing. Weird. <laughs> no, I'm just saying I would have appreciated uh, simple subtitles to remind me who was each kid. I mean, you have yeah. to realize that that's going to be a confusing thing for the audience. But we have this this kind of bizarre reasoning of why the father wanted these children to be like that, and he imagined they would have these ten children. They'd all have long, flowing hair and right. whatever. But what? Again, what 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 really is 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 the remarkable thing about this story of that there's just this asshole father who had all these kids and treated them all like shit and it would it's cool. <laughs> no, it, there, there's nothing remarkable about, in my opinion, the way it's told here. I think there is a remarkable story to be told in a very interpersonal way. Like, if a, if we had only focused on one child, so to speak, and only talked about the others in the background, but the constant flip-flopping, like, what, what the storyteller, like the director, doesn't realize that in the nature of going from one child to one child, then you're just getting repetitions because they literally have the same exact life. Like, you really can't tell different stories and how it affected different children easily you got to kind of pick one and let them be the protagonist but i i guess that's kind of where i was going though also going back to what i was just talking about uh when i was saying that the mother has been almost brainwashed is that i feel like that is such an important part of this film is that the 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 mother is pretty much just resigned to her fate at this point even though she has that the conversation on the phone and she's like that's like a huge like Huge weight lifted off her shoulders, which also, is, is hard because we don't really even like know anything. And here's about Here's some that, real life so. thing. As far as I know, apparently that scene is somewhat manufactured, Ugh. but not in the way that you would normally think. Apparently, <sighs> no, no, hold on, okay. not by a documentary standpoint, but apparently that was actually the kids doing. Like oh. they, but then it's like, why weren't we shown that? Like that would have been kind of yeah. interesting. Like the yeah. kids rallying together to track down the mother, you know, or something like that. But what I'm saying is that she's almost resigned to her fate, and she's sort of just lived this life, and she dreamed all these different things for herself. And I guess that's like just in general, in life in general, like this idea of of men completely controlling women and their children. Absolutely, just I just fucking detest that shit, and I just cannot deal with it. Like. Like when I hear people like saying or women saying, well, you know, my husband doesn't let me do this or my husband doesn't let me like that kind of shit. Like I have no tolerance for that. Like when I hear those kind of things, like it just makes me just like want to just like just just get so fucking angry because I hate that. Like I that's your trigger. Well, (laughs) thanks for that. Well, not necessarily, but it's just something not necessarily in the way you're, you're talking about. But for me. Like I I like I hate that. Like I, I hate this idea of 
of of men just controlling women or controlling their children. I feel like the, that's the problem with this here is that like the the father is almost that that even though the kids like they say that they 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 hate their father at sometimes and it, you can tell that the mom kind of really like they they just all feel like they are just kind of have to always live by his rules and I guess that's part of what the film is trying to say is they're they're breaking away but still the the mother's life has been lived with this fucking shit ass guy who's who's you know had her living the, this weird life that he wants to live and now his children all have grown up and they 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 will always live with the, this this childhood of being grown up and being trapped almost in this house right and that, that's the only reason why i kind of mentioned earlier that i liked the character of the mom the most that i was most interested in her story because that's the only time that this documentary was able to successfully deal with something complex because this movie does make her both complicit and a victim at the same time for me maybe other people might not. i could see that yeah sure. but like i was both saying like you made this choice and yet but Jesus Christ, I still feel bad for you. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it's, it's a two way street as to how much she you know let this happen, and yet how much of this was forced upon her. And I, I love the mix of that. But of course, she's such a minor character in this movie. I feel like kind of horrible because you know whatever they're just kids and they're doing whatever they want. But whatever that film they were putting together at the end, I was just like, man, this is this like supposed to be end credits or is this like starting like a like we're watching this film? And <laughs> oh we, yeah, there's another. Are we gonna have to watch this? Oh <laughs> <Yeah>. thank God. <laughs> oh my. My God, is this going to be a, another Judd Apatow forcing this shit on us? And I don't want to. I did actually really like. I, I feel like uh, maybe this is just an Akira Kurosawa thing where I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. But like showing how they made the little uh, made the little track for them the to rig. move back and yeah. forth. Yeah, I was. I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah. yeah, whatever they were doing with that film, I was like, oh, I feel like kind of a dick. But I'm just not interested in this. Yeah. Um... Can we talk about, and I think I kind of brought it up earlier, but I just want to know you guys' full blunt opinions. Okay, D- is it just me, or did anybody else feel a disconnect between the father as viewed through the lens of the children and the wife, and the father that was portrayed in the documentary itself? I, I just want to know, like, were they the same person? And I feel like that's, for me, one of the biggest failings of this film, is that they weren't. I'm not saying they weren't close, or that, like, mm-hmm. by by any proclamation that the subjects are crazy for describing them in that way or anything like that but it is such a deliberately odd choice to have these characters say let them say these things because you're essentially editing it that way you're letting these you know things just happen and you're whatever but then also just show him walk around in his underwear and like not really say and i realized that part of it could probably be because the father didn't necessarily may may not have wanted been in the movie but he also didn't seem like he cared about not being in like yeah um such, I, just, I just want to know is it, that was he the same person that they described him as? Do you think, or did you? Is that? Um, I I feel like probably not exactly, but because we don't really know anything about him. But when when he does speak about, and he the very limited time we hear him actually like speaking to the camera and, and talking about things, I was just like, man, this. Sounds like this definitely fits the profile of a guy who's just been slinging some bullshit, and it's just like, man, I, I don't, I don't really, I just, I, I don't really know. Yeah, but and I think the the idea that you don't know because I don't know either, yeah. as far as like that's that's one of the flaws is that it's like. Uh, where where does this connection come into, so to speak? Um, well, I feel like, I feel like this film also is trying so hard to do so many things. Like it's trying to show them. As you know, this this 
showing them through their upbringing and showing home videos of them when they were younger and then them moving out and, and going to a movie together, then going to, to Coney Island, but at the same time trying to tell the story of the mom and trying to tell the story of the dad and trying to do all this in an hour and 23 minutes too. And mm. just at, at some point it was just, it was just a hard time focusing on what this actually wanted to be as we've all been alluding to. You know, what's a, a missed opportunity. Uh, not not for the not for the documentary itself, but just for the kids and their sweeted films. I was just thinking about this, like what would have actually been interesting. What if they did like a sweeted version of the Stanford Prison Experiment? You know, <laughs> do you know what wow, I'm talking yeah, about? Okay. I'm just like, That's, at first I'm like, okay, but yes, I I get what you're saying. Yeah, so right. It's like so how much, meta. Yeah. How watch. much will you take before you uh, yeah. walk out of the room? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, that actually is uh, right. Yeah, yeah. kind of brilliant. Yeah. I wish I had directed this. All right. You know what? We're just not going to release this episode, so that way we can make the movie. And then we'll release the episode afterwards. Hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, that would have been a much more interesting movie. But And then that goes back to what, what I'm saying is that there is a much more interesting movie to be made from here. It's not so much that this movie itself uh, uh, shouldn't have been made. It shouldn't have been made in this way, and mm-hmm. and it, it if it was going to be made in this way, then then yes, it doesn't have a point. But so to how, speak. how are you going to sell to anybody who's going to show your film to more than just one person? Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I was just going to say, how are you going to sell that? You're going to say, oh, here's this this story of these children who are been kept up in their. Or oh, here's a story of this mother who's had all these how are kids. You gonna sell it like to audiences. How are you going to sell it to? The, how are you going to sell it to wanting to have people watch your film? Uh, I don't think the people that would watch this movie, like I don't think the selling is the the problem here because I, if if you if this was if this film was about the mother than more about the children, how are you going to sell that to people? I don't think it's much more of a stretch to sell it in that aspect than it would be to sell it in his current. I, I think he's talking about if you were to pitch this film on the thesis of this film, yeah. Like, but think about how this film got made. It went into Sundance, which is you, yeah. You take away that studio pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did. Ask no. no, no how, however. If you, because um, I, I had heard about this film before we decided to do this, and I don't really hear about a lot of documentaries. When I was in London earlier this year, I saw like dozens of movie posters of the Wolf Pack. You wouldn't have a poster of this film if it was about the mother. I don't think. I mean, I, you wouldn't have a poster. That's what I'm saying. Like, it wouldn't be like. How are you going to sell it to people? How are you going to say you should go see this documentary about this mother? Like, what would you call it? What would it, what would it be? How would it stand out from other documentary films? Well, how does this one stand out from other? That's it doesn't. But I feel like okay. that's the problem. Is it's sold? It's a, this very interesting story about these children who have bonded together to to form this this crew uh, this crew grew this i am grew i was gonna say grew like from despicable me to to form this grew uh to form this crew and i feel like that's kind of not necessarily misleading but if it was about the mother it would be kind of weird because i i don't know how why i would be interested in watching a different film it would be and you might not be interested in watching that but i think that how would i even hear about it that's the thing i don't understand what you're asking me like it's just a i don't 
why would that affect the film's marketing, so to speak? It's not like this film has trailer spots on the Super Bowl or something like that. No, it doesn't. But but in terms of just word of mouth and like hearing about it, and in like if if you were listening, like I heard about this at work, some the coworker was saying, "Oh, I watched this documentary on Netflix. It was this really." And of course, he gave me a story that wasn't necessarily what this was actually about. Yeah. But he's saying, "Oh, it was about these kids who you know were trapped in their house for all these years and." Uh, you know, just about them, and they they love movies, and they they recreate movies, and they memorize every line from every movie. And I was like, man, that's interesting. Like, if I I heard that, oh, there's this film about this mother who was inside this house, and she had all these kids, and and she kind of had a life where she was sort of you know trapped, and we in. I don't really know, like, for me, where, where the interest Right, I think that's, from. like, a personal Does she, like, does she get out? <laughs> that would yeah. be my question. Well, no, like, that's, like, a personal, like, whereas, like, if I'm just saying the film you just described, I'm, like, I take my money, I want to see this harrowing story of a woman who gave up everything for reasons she doesn't even understand or something. Yeah. So I'm just, like, that, that's what I mean, like, it, I don't know what you're asking me as far as, like, that's, that's a movie I want to see, so I don't know. It is for you, personally. Right. But for this, which has become a documentary that... that quite a lot of people have seen how how is this for for you how are you going to sell because obviously someone to someone had to make this movie yeah and somebody had to sell it and i guess that's where i'm I'm going is that but there's a yeah sorry i'm just saying like if if you were going to make that film and you were a studio like how how does that stand out from any other documentary that's been made well it's not that it stands out i just think in viewing this movie those the character of the mother personally was a more fully formed subject to base your movie around. I mean, that's what I talked about earlier as far as like the children are too young to truly, yes, they can explain what happened and they can say how it made them feel in the present. But like, there's just a much more wealthy backstory and, and also future uh, to the mother's character. And I'm not even saying the mother should be the center point of the movie, but I, I just think that like, it's weird that that's happening in the background rather than like with the children. Like she's just as imprisoned as the children. She is. Yes. yes. And yet she's also like a minor character that gets a huge moment at the end, but that's in no way built up to it. You know what I mean? So that's what I mean as far as like, it's, it's not that I think that, oh, well, if they just centered it around the mother, it would be better. No, this movie has to do a lot of things to become better. I just think that would be one of the first starting points because personally, I feel like you're you, you, you're gonna hit a ceiling if you center the movie around six kids who really, you know. But maybe that's that is the problem, and we've talked about the the problem with the just general audiences in the the popular culture or popular whatever. Like I feel like if the, this film was more about the mother and the, the the title of the film is somehow referenced being the mother and the story was about the mother, like it wouldn't have gotten as popular as it was. Or oh, more I don't people care how popular it. it gets. I know you don't care. I just want it but... to be a movie that I think is worth watching. So that's why I'm trying to say, like, I'm not, I don't understand why. I, I, I doubt that we would be talking about it right now if it was a, a documentary Maybe you would be, like, on Film Tank or so, but, like, if it came out to Sundance, and that's the other thing, and that's a completely different climate than just, you know, getting a movie sold to, you know, like, the, the movies that leave Sundance are, like, they're basically already, I would say, exist in the bubble of, like, unmarketable, you know? Like, they have to try their hardest, too, and some are more marketable than others, mm-hmm. like like Me and Earl and a Dying Girl, which is a YA adaptation, you know, or something like that. But a lot of those movies that come out of there, like, how do you... 
I mean, <laughs> this is a much better movie, so this is a stupid example, but how do you sell a film like Whiplash to a mainstream audience, you know, because at, at the heart of it, it's kind of a really, dis- and I'm talking mainstream audience, you know, it's a very disturbing uh, tale about, <laughs> you know, a mentor leading a kid astray, so to speak. Um, so it's like, a, but that doesn't affect the movie's popularity. If people go see it and it's good, word of mouth. I mean, people are going yeah. to talk about it, but... I, I, I guess I just personally don't. See, it, it would be a lot different. Let's put it this way than 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 this film was in terms of how it would have been received and how. But I, I'm just just assuming. Yeah, that. but we're just talking about hypothetical. Now, yeah. So that's yeah. why. I, I, yeah. yeah. Just like we're talking about that. That hypothetically, this would have been a, a better film if it's centered around the. Or it was more I feel like that was a very minor point that I made, and I didn't mean to make okay. that my thesis as to what would have like improved this movie like okay i and so it's my mistake if i made that more i don't know like i i, I just have no <laughs> idea how that comment uh, spawned this conversation so i don't know great. i feel like that you brought it up a few times and i guess i just was like my like train was going towards that's what you were saying and uh, i guess it just wasn't stopping because it's hard fight, to stop a train fight fight no, fight, no, fight. no i'm just kidding it this, just kind of pettered out that you guys have we're this, having a conversation you, re, you this, reached this easy this, conclusion about it and i just thought it was funny <laughs> i thought it'd be funny just this like fight, this fucking guy trying to get fight on this fucking <laughs> no. fucking black guy with his shirt with snowflakes on it i, I mean like get my out snowflakes. of here. shut up <laughs> Well, <laughs> I mean, yes, those are factually accurate statements. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's nowhere to go from here. You want to go to ratings? I guess. Sure, we could do that. I, I feel like okay, you should probably go first then, since you oh, started. Yeah, I I I can do that. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, I can. I, I I started, and that's how we usually go. Now Tucson's dancing. Oh my god, this is great! Uh, it's like the the opening title sequence of Rocky Four all over again. Oh Those Tucson's on the ground, just dancing, loving the gloves exploding in each other. Oh yeah. man, god, that was I so love it. great. <laughs> so the Wolfpack. Um, if you haven't already guessed, I feel like this documentary was kind of all over the place and. Um, it, it really just did not have a central point to me and I was not interested in the characters. And, um, unfortunately I, I didn't really feel like it was that really interesting at all. And at the same time too, um, you know, I, I just found myself being just kind of, uh, unimpressed with, with, um, a lot of sort of things were happening in I know that that's the point is it's a film and you're, you're watching and they're showing you what reality is that there's this, this parent who believes in this ideology and believes in wanting this, this bizarre family kind of life happening. And that's just showing what, what it is. But at the same time, I just really couldn't get behind what this film was trying to say. And I wasn't interested in watching it and didn't really like it. Um, and I did like, uh, you know, some of the earlier parts of the film when it started off. And I, I actually, to kind of disagree with you, Nick, I did think it was kind of interesting um, watching the, the kids uh, sort of typing up each individual line from films and going through that. And, and that that was really their upbringing was watching these 5,000 films that they owned. 
and uh, going through that and sort of playing that out. And that really was their childhood was uh, growing up with these films for some reason. So for that, I'll, I'll give this a slightly higher score, but right in the same neighborhood as Jupiter is sending another film that I absolutely despise from this it's year. It's a great movie. Incorrect. Uh, one and a half movie. out of five for me for the Wolf Pack as it is. Incorrect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it is towards the bottom of my list. Uh, not as bad as Terminator Genesis, but uh, not good. So okay. that is how I feel about the Wolf Pack. And let's move on to who? Nick? Why don't I go last? Oh, okay. Okay. Because I feel like I might go on a really quick spiel. So Okay. So All right. Let's head over to Snowball and see what he has to say. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't think I could recommend this film. Just looking back on it, it kind of just feels like more of a meandering collage of interview bits strung together with the novelty of these kids having been raised entirely on a diet of pop culture through film and i feel like it doesn't have enough propulsion to stand on its own it's obviously there's a story to be told but i don't like the story that i i got and yeah it's it's all right it's all right if you got like a spare hour and a half and you want to like stop like 20 <laughs> minutes before it ends because you just got bored. It's fine for that. I mean, it's something you can run run in like another window on your computer while you're looking at something else that's more interesting. Read oh. something on the news, you know. That's kind of what I did actually. Um <laughs> So, uh, I'll give it a two and a half out of 5, just right down the middle. Just cut it right down the middle. And I felt like that like like his descriptions there was just way more scathing than anything I said. I don't know. I know it's it's uh, it's just there. It's just stillborn. It's just... I mean that is that is true as far as how it presents itself. Uh, uh, so I guess I should go. Uh, yeah, that you would be the <clears throat> last person to go. So I'm just gonna say my rating up front, but then I feel like I also have to explain it because I did a lot of I would say work against this movie when I kind of forgot to say the parts that I liked. And I'm not going to go over the parts themselves, but I give this a two and a half uh, out of five stars as well as Toussaint because as much as I can take away from this movie and what it does wrong, and it does a lot of things wrong, I I am enamored by the concept at its core, which is like this, this, I wouldn't even call it a story because there is no real story, so to speak, but this, uh, depiction of this environment that's completely foreign to me, you know, to be locked up, uh, so to speak, in your own house and to only learn about the world through the benefit of, like, a far-removed lens, which, of course, in this instance is movies. And even that, uh, to me, it speaks to me in a way because, of course, I'm not like these characters. And yet I feel like I gravitated toward movies at an early age for that reason, to learn about the rest of the world. And, you know, so I feel like that's that's such a universal thing. That's why I, this movie itself should have been, like, a home run for me to like it. Um, and while I think that this movie could have done so many things better, and the major one being is, like, it, it has a fascinating uh, subject at its center, which is just this family in general, uh, but it has absolutely no idea what to do with it, uh, what to do with them, and it also makes all the wrong choices. So it's like I, I'm both extremely scathing of it, and yet I understand why this got made in the first place. And there are moments in it when I get it, as far as like I, I get why this got made, and I get 
why she felt she would uh, she should have to tell this story because it is for me interesting. I'm really into like character empathy portraits, so to speak, in my movies. Like I just like watching characters exist, and that's of course what this is. <laughs> um, now I do feel like the movie only shoots itself in the foot when it completely shies away from things that the movie itself brings up uh, in favor of just depicting a slice of life because after 30 minutes we we get the slice of life part it's not like this life is that interesting that it it needs a 90 minute exploration of what a slice of life looks because it is more mundane than you would think i mean you, the concept itself of locking these uh, children and the wife into this apartment it's not the movie that we actually end up watching because they do take trips outside and I get that that's a reaction to being locked up or whatever mm-hmm. but it's it's just there's a weird disconnect between for me the story that these uh, that these children and the characters that you know were telling and the story the documentary wanted to tell and for that I can't forgive it but I can certainly give myself over to parts of it and and just kind of empathize with some of these characters. And the fact that we had this conversation is why I like movies to begin with. And so that's why I, I do recommend it, not because I think people will like it, or so to speak, but I feel like you should go watch it, personally, and make up your own mind, because I, I think there's something to it, and I just love a movie like this that gives me a lot to think about, even if it's bad, and I don't, you know, a lot of bad things to think about, and like I didn't like about it, but I, I haven't stopped thinking about it since I saw it. So mm, there you go. Okay. So two and a half. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 Not great ratings, but you know. No. Same rating, different, different. Yeah. Tangents on the on the spectrum of uh, yeah. recommendations. That's and that's fine. Yeah. 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 Nick's like, yeah, you know, I think yeah. some people should really watch this. <laughs> and Tuzan's like, yeah, I had it on the background while I was toasting some strudel or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's the kind of film that I can honestly see why others, not others and like a lot of people, but people, some people that I read that liked the movie. I, I get that. Uh, I just, I also see uh, our perspective, so to speak, that we all share considering we're mostly in the same boat, even though we have, there's some contentions as to what, you know how things were depicted. I feel yeah. like we all pretty much have the exact same feelings on this, as far as like the problems and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I see both sides, and I'm more leaning toward you know what we brought up. But at the end of the day, there there's just enough there that I I gravitated towards. Right on, and that's uh, you know the great thing about film, and the really good thing about documentary is it really is is there to you know there for the viewer, and and it's up to them to decide and. That's the thing is that I feel like my like my like bullshit ometer and like cautious ometer is always on when watching the documentary because I feel like like when you talk when you watch a film and we talk about having the untrustworthy narrator I mean that's like the ultimate thing in documentaries of can you trust the person who's showing this to you or can you not and uh not can that, you trust the director? Not, no, no. Not, not that the wolf pack is necessarily doing that. I'm smiling at Tucson oh, okay. because I really want to show you the imposter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, just okay. A, that comment is like a perfect distillation of what that documentary plays with. Huh. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Another one so, I'm interested in seeing sorry, now. Random tangent. But, that's fine. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying is that it, it's, it's hard when you talk about documentaries because I feel like that's something that – you know, film like actual like narrative film plays with in documentary. Like you, as a viewer, you have to be the one who decides whether or not you are going to believe what this person is saying or not. Yeah. So, sure. I'm sure we'll be going back to to docs at some point and uh, venturing even further into them, and might, maybe hopefully watching one that 
we've all seen before at least once that someone genuinely really likes. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> on our next episode, episode 44, though, um, one of the films that I feel like pretty much everybody's been very excited about uh, for almost the whole year. And Nick, I know you're not as Is crazy that next about week. It. Yeah. Not as crazy about, but I, I know a lot of people are, and especially I am, and we're. it's going to be a really late night for us doing this episode. Oh, wait a minute. I thought you yeah. were talking about something else. No, no. <laughs> okay. But, but I'm talking yes. about Star Wars The Force Awakens. I thought you were talking about The Revenant. Awakening. Yes. There, there's going to be, and is it going to be good? I don't really know, and I don't think anybody does, but we're going to go see it the night it comes out, and we're going to do an episode right after like we did with Avengers and Jurassic World, and we're going to... Post it right away and said a lot about me that I completely forgot that we were talking about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> how'd you forget? Oh boy. What, how'd you forget what I day it comes out? I thought you were man. talking about the Revenant for some reason. Really? Is that a January movie? Yeah, it's coming okay. out. It, yeah. it, it, it might be coming out in some theaters in like December, but yeah. When you when you went on the when you started to say like Nick, I know you're not too excited. Okay. I was thinking the Revenant just because I'm I'm not too excited. The Revenant, that. Hateful Eight. <laughs> I'm excited for Star Wars, even if I don't like Star Wars, just because it's such a monumental thing. Yeah, and it's uh, you know a different direction, and J.J. Yeah. Abrams, and not George Lucas. So that's always a good thing. Yeah, it well, can't, can't mostly a good thing. Can't, yeah. I don't think it can really hurt, it, especially if you're comparing this to the uh, the uh, episodes one through three. I don't think it can hurt. Yeah, I don't think so. But we'll be doing that. We'll hopefully have that episode out early Friday morning, if not uh, late Friday morning, for you on December the 18th. So look forward to that. Uh, any thoughts that you have on? Uh, what you think about the Star Wars series and what you think about uh, The Force Awakens. Obviously, we're not going to be able to hear your thoughts on it because we're going to be seeing it the day it comes out right. and doing an episode right after. But, but afterwards. Uh, afterwards and before, if you have feelings on the series or if you have feelings on what you think the film is going to be uh, and you want to uh, send those in and maybe we can talk about them on the episode, feel free to do so as uh, we will be seeing that and bringing that on episode 44. So that's what's coming up. And uh, also, uh, if you want to find that episode uh, next week and this episode and all of our episodes, you can go to filmtankshow.com where you can always find every one of our episodes. You can also find our most recent episodes on iTunes as well. And also, uh, as I mentioned, you can get in touch with us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well at filmtankshow. So, from Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diegman, wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of Film Tank, and we will catch up with you next time. Not enough wolves. <laughs> oh! <Ow. laughs> <Ooh. laughs>